I'll get in trouble for this, I'm certain, but... What's happening, college football fans? We are back with another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. It is episode 42, and we are covering week 11 of college football. Got a great slate of games. I am your co-host, AJ, here with my co-host, Tyler. What's going on this week, man? We uh, had a great slate of college football last week, and it's looking like we're set up for another one this weekend. Episode 42. Getting close to that little 50 mark, little half century mark, dude. And that's exciting stuff. Um, Yeah, we got a lot of good college football. We're gearing towards the end of the regular season. So uh, a lot lot of big games happening. A lot of uh, fighting for those four college football playoff spots going down. So tons to get into. Yeah, huge game going down in the Big Ten. The first big test for Michigan. Also, some big games going down in the SEC. We got Georgia with another top 25 showdown this week against Ole Miss. So we will touch on those here in just a minute. Before we do that, as always, just want to remind you guys to go ahead and give us a follow on social media and give us a rating. Share the podcast with somebody wherever you listen to it. We appreciate it. And uh, just a reminder to share it with somebody that also enjoys taking in all this college football content that we bring to you every week. So we appreciate that if you do it. All right, no more messing around. Let's get right into it. We got six games that we are going to pick against the spread this week. And boy, do we got some good ones. Let's go ahead and start with the biggest game of the week, arguably the biggest game of the year. For the Michigan Wolverines so far, they're sitting at number three in this week's college football playoff rankings, 9-0, undefeated. But like I said, first big test here. Got to go on the road to Happy Valley, facing off against a top-10 ranked Penn State Nittany Lions team. Only loss so far is to Ohio State a couple weeks ago. Should be a good game, man. Vegas thinks so as well. Wolverines are a four-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. This one's going to be interesting. You know, you you talk about two teams that could really use a win here. Penn State needs it to stay alive in that Big Ten East race. And Michigan obviously needs it to move to 10-0 and gear up for a big showdown against Ohio State in a couple weeks. What do we think, man? Does does Penn State got a shot shot to uh, upset the Wolverines here? Or could Michigan flex in their first test? You know, lots of lots of drama surrounding that program right now. Do they have an incentive to to make this a kind of a a show out game? Yeah, there's a lot going on around this Michigan program right now. As we're recording this on a Friday afternoon, we're actually waiting on word from the Big Ten on what, if any, uh, punishment there's going to be for the whole sign stealing scandal that. You know, we won't get too deep into the woods of, but that could be a distraction. There has been talks of uh, possibly a three-game suspension again for head coach Jim Harbaugh, which would be the remainder of the regular season. That's this Penn State game. That's their game against Ohio State. So uh, big implications there if we do hear something. We're not sure whether or not the Big Ten's going to slap them on the wrist, which they probably will. 
Um, but that leads to a lot of distractions for Michigan. And, you know, having all these distractions going into a top 10 matchup against a very good Penn State team at Penn State uh, can cause trouble. You know, I like what uh, Drew Aller's been able to do this season. He's got 20 touchdowns to just one pick. I mean, the guy's very clean and crisp. Obviously, they got the stable of running backs uh, headed up by Katron Allen. We've talked about them. Um, but the thing for me, it it's pretty quite simple. Michigan has freaking playmakers, and Michigan is averaging beating their opponents by three touchdowns. Obviously, they haven't played anybody like this Penn State team. Right. But I'd also like to point you towards Penn State's loss against Ohio State. They weren't really able to get anything going. It didn't matter that Penn State was at home. They just could not find their offense that day against a really good Ohio State defense. I think Michigan's defense is also another very solid squad this year. Um, And I think we got Michigan at four and a half. I, I think a touchdown is a pretty comfortable cover for this Wolverines team. Yeah, for me, this one's going to come down to these defenses, right? These are both really salty, really tough defenses. You know, Penn State and Michigan, first and second in the country in yards per game allowed. Now, you spoke on it. Michigan hasn't really played a prolific offense to test them. But still, I mean, it's just a really tough team to score the ball against. I think this is a low-scoring game. I don't see either team really getting into the 30s in this game, kind of similar to that Penn State-Ohio State game. So I do think it's close for at least a half, probably three-quarters into that fourth quarter. The question for me is going to be how many points this Penn State team can score like in order for them to cover that four-and-a-half, right? Against Ohio State, what did they end up with, like 12? 12 points? You know, can, can they get to 20? I think it's a big ask. I think this Michigan defense is going to be really tough. They, they're they not a very explosive offense, Penn State. You know, you, you don't see them taking a lot of shots downfield. Drew Aller has been somewhat efficient, but it's because he's checking the ball down a lot. It's a lot of those intermediate to short routes. And that's just not going to get it done against this Michigan team. Like you said, Michigan's got the weapons on offense. And I think they've got the advantage in quarterback as well. You know, you talk about J.J. McCarthy and the things that he's been able to do. I think he's probably pretty similar to Drew Aller, except he's got another year of experience under his belt. You know, like I think Drew Aller is probably J.J. McCarthy, but a year removed. So I I agree. I think Michigan wins this game. I think they cover that four and a half. I don't know that it's a, a blowout. But I see 27 to 20, you know, 27 to 17, some somewhere in there to where Michigan, you know, kind of wins this game comfortably in the fourth quarter. But Penn State should be able to keep it close for a majority of this game. I just I don't trust their offense enough against this Michigan defense. But, you know, big play here or there. A couple turnovers could keep them in this game. But uh, we're going to be on the same side for this first one. We're both got going to take Michigan to cover that four and a half. Let's move to the ACC here and talk about a couple of teams that are perennial rivals and two teams that have lots of momentum right now, just in varying degrees. 
We're talking about Miami sitting at six and three, not currently ranked right there outside the top 24. They got to go to Tallahassee and face off against a number four ranked Florida State Seminoles team that is undefeated nine and oh. And am I seeing this right? 14 is what the Seminoles are favored by. I mean, sure, but I don't know. This is a little tricky for me because Florida State has not necessarily looked dominant the last several weeks. Sure, they're undefeated, but, you know, their biggest win now is against an LSU team with three losses. Second biggest win is against a Clemson team with four losses. So they don't exactly have the resume that some of those other top four teams have established so far. I think this could be a tricky spot for the Knowles. What do you think, man? Can can Miami find a way to get this done? We've seen them win some big games this year. I think you can. I think Miami's got to help themselves out. They can't have dumb penalties. They can't have uh, terrible game management by their head coach. Um, they got to do the little things right and the easy routine things right before they can think about winning this game uh, because – this Florida State team is packed with playmakers. I mean, they're all over the field for Florida State. When you're talking about Keon Coleman, Trey Benson. Um, but Tyler Van Dyke, if it weren't for his terrible turnover issue this year, and right. it, it's bad. He has 11 picks on the season. Um, this guy is not good at you know keeping the ball uh, for his offense. But... If you can find a way to get Xavier Restrepo this ball um, mm-hmm. and just find new, unique ways, I think it does help Miami a lot. I think it not being a super far uh, trip for the Hurricanes does help. They're staying in their home state, uh, even though it will be in Tallahassee, which is a pretty tough environment, especially for a 330 game. Um, but at the end of the day, I think – what this FSU defense is able to do against this Miami offense, I think that they are able to create some turnovers um, and get this Florida State offense the ball back. And the longer this Florida State offense has the ball, uh, just the greater and greater chance that they have of winning, obviously, um, especially with all these playmakers. But 14 is a lot of points. I like FSU to win the game here. But I, I think it's a little bit closer. Like you said, they, they have struggled a little bit here and there this season. Um, I think 14 is just a little bit too much to take against the spread. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I think, you know, it's it's really hard to trust this Miami team. You touched on the turnover trouble that Van Dyke's had. You touched on the coaching issues that they have right now. Mario Cristobal. I mean, he can recruit his ass off, but when it comes to those late game decisions as far as whether we should be in victory formation or we should be handing the ball off, (laughs) it's it's tough, right? So it's really hard to trust this Miami team. But again, go back to Florida State. It just it hasn't been super impressive, you know, and I, I think that's why you see the committee not necessarily giving them the respect that you see them given these other undefeated teams right now. I'm going to be on the same side for you again. I think 14 is just a little bit too much. I think we could see Miami maybe with a backdoor cover here and just kind of sneak in under that number. I do like Florida State to win this game and to win it win it somewhat comfortably, but I do think Miami covers that 14. We're going to both take the Hurricanes here. 
So through two games on the same side of both of those picks, let's move to the SEC here and let's touch on our Georgia Bulldogs. Let's go ahead and skip to one of the biggest games of the week. Number nine, Ole Miss is coming to Athens, sitting at eight and one, only losses to the Alabama Crimson Tide, but they're facing off against another juggernaut this week. Number two, Georgia, after a big win against Missouri at home last week, got another big showdown. Bulldogs favored by 10 and a half at home. Nice spread there. If you remember, they were favored by 15 last week against Missouri. So a little bit lower number here after they didn't cover. What do we think, man? Dogs are getting a little bit healthier. There's a rumor that Brock Bowers may be getting close to being back. Not sure about that one. But this Ole Miss offense, man, they pose a lot of threats. The defense, not so much. But the offense should score some points here on Saturday. Can this Georgia defense shut them down and pull away? Or does Lane Kiffin find a way to keep this game close and make us Georgia fans sweat this one a little bit? Yeah, I think this Ole Miss game for Georgia is very similar to what you were talking about last week with Georgia playing Missouri. Obviously, Ole Miss has a good offense. Missouri had a good offense. But how many points are they going to stop Georgia from scoring? How many drives does Georgia uh, have to turn the ball over or punt it away? Um, which is really kind of interesting because this Georgia defense is going to get some stops here and there. Um, they're not perfect. They have a lot of trouble in the red zone area. Um, they're one of the worst teams in the country as far as uh, red zone defense. However, teams don't get into the red zone all that often on the Georgia defense. So they are going to get some stops here. The question is, is how much can this Ole Miss defense stop Georgia's offense from scoring? Because they've been clicking. I don't expect Brock Bowers to be back. I don't think Kirby Smart is going to rush him back. And if they are going to rush him back, it's going to be because they're in an elimination game, which is most likely going to be the SEC championship and beyond. Um, So I'm not looking for Brock Bowers to be back, but I am looking for another 300-yard day from Carson Beck. He's had a couple of them now. He's, you know, he's full-form Carson Beck now. It's what we've been looking for out of him. Um, And then can Georgia establish a run game? They've had a little bit of trouble with the run game uh, all season, really. But can Dejon Edwards, Kendall Milton, uh, can they run the ball effectively in order to open up those passing uh, plays downfield at a later time? If they can, I think Georgia's got a really good shot at winning this. Um, I'm going to take the dogs to win, but I think this is more of a shootout. I see it being more of a Missouri uh, type of game for these dogs, and I'm going to take Ole Miss to cover this spread. I think it's just a little too high for me. Georgia wins maybe by nine, a couple field goals. Okay, similar to last week. Right. Yeah, you talked about Carson Beck, man. You know, what a lot of hype around him coming into this year, and we haven't seen a bad game yet, to be honest. Like, it's been, you know, there's been some games where he missed a couple throws downfield. You wish he would have hit this big play here and there. But like you talked about, 300-yard games have become kind of the norm for Mr. Beck. So I expect that to continue against a piss poor Ole Miss defense. I do expect them to get Dejan Edwards going on the ground a little bit here. 
But like I said, on the other side, man, Ole Miss has got the playmakers as well. Jackson Dart has played really well this year. He's a mobile guy that is not afraid to lower his head and, and get those tough, hard-to-earned yards on the ground. And then he has the ability to turn around and hand the ball to Quinshawn Judkins and Ulysses Bentley. <laughs> Georgia has struggled with mobile quarterbacks this year. I'll exactly, give him that. Exactly. And, and and really with you know the ability to be two-dimensional for Ole Miss, I do see them able to score a little bit of points here. Ulysses Bentley, I, you know, let's just touch on that. One of the greatest names in college football right now. It sounds like a Civil War general is out there playing tailback for the Rebels, but he's he's got his great grandfather's last name, so maybe that makes sense. But um, yeah, I mean, weapons on the outside too. Trey Harris, number nine, looked really good last week. He's able to come down with those contested balls, those 50-50 balls downfield, but. When you talk about matching up with Kamari Lasseter and Javon Bullard and Malachi Starks, those guys that the dogs have in the secondary, I think they are going to probably get a turnover or two and get those stops when they really need them. I'm going to take the dogs here to cover that 10 and a half. I think, you know, Lane Kiffin, if there's a minute left and he's down 20 points, I think he's still going to shoot for that cover. Like, that's just what he does. He's going to continue to air the ball out. But I think Georgia's got enough here to where they get enough timely stops and they score 40-plus points on this Ole Miss defense to where they can cover this. We're going to be on the opposite sides for the first time this week. You got Ole Miss covering 10.5, Georgia winning. I think the dogs get a big, comfortable win here at home and kind of kind of flex a little bit in this uh, top 10 showdown. That top 10 win would be what they need to maybe take back that number one spot in the playoffs. Absolutely. Feeling a little disrespect right now, probably in Athens. So I expect a big, um, feisty night game home crowd in Athens and the dogs with a big win. So, and just a little nugget Ole Miss is the only team that Kirby Smart has not beaten yet so far. It's the only SEC team that he has not beaten so far in his coaching career. So I think Kirby's got a little extra incentive to win this game as well. Hasn't played him since 2016, his first year as a head coach, and it was an ugly one for the dogs. Yep, yep. I think they win this game comfortably. Let's stick in the SEC for a minute. We got a top 15 showdown here. A couple of two lost teams, 13 Tennessee Volunteers going on the road to Como, facing off against the number 14-ranked Missouri Tigers. Missouri obviously coming off that loss last week against the dogs, but they kept it within that spread. Gave the dogs fits for about three and a half quarters there. Tennessee has a road favorite right here, favored by a field goal. I don't know, man. This one's tricky. I kind of view these teams sort of on the same playing field. Pretty good defenses, offenses that have kind of figured things out and are able to score points. I'm right there on the fence for this game, man. I don't have a, a very, uh, very positive feel about either side here. 100%. I'm on the exact same page as you. When I look at these teams, I see the exact same team. I mean, you're talking about number 13 and 14, two losses. Uh, you have some pretty good quarterback play. Obviously, the running backs for both of these teams are the stars of their offense. And then you got one or two really good wide receivers and Luther Burden for Missouri and Squirrel White for Tennessee. Um, and have then you heard anything about Burden? I know he went out of that Georgia game, was kind of limping a little bit. Do we know if he's back? I'm not sure. 
I am not positive. Because that's big, right? Yeah, I, I'm not 100%. I think he's going to be good to go. I haven't heard anything saying that. Tape you know, it up. Give he, him a shot. Right. I haven't seen anything that says he's going to actually miss some time here. However, when it's such a close, like, such a close matchup like this, I don't feel inclined to go with the away team at all. This is the first time these two teams have met each other when they're both ranked at the same time. Um, and this was a tough loss for Missouri against a good Georgia team. But I still think there's – and it's a little bit of a loser mindset. I get it. But I think that there's still somewhat of a moral victory with playing Georgia so well for four quarters because they really did. Up until that terrible – interception that cooked through to the Georgia defensive lineman. That was a close game. That was a winnable game for them. So I do think that they're keeping their heads up on that one still. And it gives them enough momentum at home. I'm going to take Missouri outright on this one. Okay. Yeah. I, like I said, man, I, I don't know. I view these teams as pretty similar. You know, obviously Cody Schrader, that running back for Mizzou, looked really good last week against Georgia. They were able to kind of attack the edges of that defense on that, you know, that outside zone run that they went back to time and time again, throwing those back shoulder balls down the sideline. The better quarterback in this matchup, what do we think? Like, is, is Brady Cook the better quarterback? I'm not so sure. There's a lot of hype around Milton going into this year, but I think I Brady could probably he's looked had, good the last few weeks. I thought you know Joe Milton has has kind of started to get into a little bit of a rhythm in this Tennessee passing offense, and obviously we know they like to run the ball pretty well. Yeah, I think Milton has the better legs in uh, his deep ball. He has a little bit stronger of an arm, but I think Cook is a more accurate, and I think that he has the guys that make him look better. Yeah. Uh, as well. Yeah, I like this Tennessee front seven as well. They're pretty pretty stifling against the run. I think they can slow down that Missouri rushing attack and force Brady Cook to make some throws downfield that he might not necessarily want to make. I'm going to take Tennessee on the road here to cover that three. Like I said, confidence level, this one is like 52%. 53% not very confident at all but I'm going to I'm going to take the Vols here to cover that 3. I think they've got just enough on defense. They're able to make just enough plays on offense in order to cover but um would not be shocked if Missouri pulls off another big win here but I like Tennessee going into the year a little bit more than I did Missouri and uh I haven't seen a ton either way to change my uh my idea there so I'm going to take the Vols here minus 3. I feel okay about that. The burden is listed as questionable for the game. Uh, yeah. He did he did come back to into the game against Georgia, um, and everything from Coach Drinkwitz basically just says he's a little banged up. But right. um, I would expect him to play, especially in a big time game like this. Yeah, like I said, tape it up, give him an injection pregame. You know, hopefully he doesn't have to make any you know crazy lateral cuts on that ankle, and he'll be he'll be good to go. But um, either way, I'm going to take Tennessee here. All right, last two matchups are actually out west in the Pac-12. Some matchups that might decide the Pac-12 race, believe it or not. First one we're going to touch on is number 18, Utah, sitting at 7-2 and two on the year. They got to go on the road to face off against the number five ranked Washington Huskies. They're undefeated, 9-0. and 0. 
and an eight-point favorite at home. A little bit larger than maybe I thought it might be. Obviously, we, we've touched on the Utah offensive struggles without Cam Rising. This is not the Utah program that we, have, we are used to seeing every year. Usually, they're scoring 30, 40 points in Pac-12 play, and that has not been the case. But they have been able to rely on a really stingy defense that is one of the best in the country when it comes to slowing down opposing offenses, and they will need it because this Washington team is about the opposite. Really damn explosive, really damn good on offense, and cannot stop anybody on defense. It seems like they give up 30, 40 points, whether it's USC or Arizona or Arizona State every week. So should be an interesting game to kind of see which one of the sides of the ball prevails here. What do we think? Utes and Huskies going down on Saturday. Here's here's what it is for me on this game. Utah, you touched on it. It's had a lot of offensive struggles, and I don't see them putting up a ton of points on Saturday. And while they do have a really good defense like you touched on, so did Oregon. And how do Washington play Oregon? Who I'm going to go – Oregon probably has the better defense between Oregon and Utah. And Washington was able to handle Oregon and win by three points there. I think Washington just puts up too many points. I think they're, you know, fighting and clawing and waiting for this Michigan-Ohio State game. Like I said last week, they're waiting on this game to be played. And Washington just puts up too many points. And a not-so-great Utah offense just can't keep up with the sheer volume of scoring plays. So you like Huskies minus eight, going to win by more than eight points. I would take them more than minus eight, yeah. Not much more, but I would take them a little more. I'm conflicted on this one, man, because Vegas is is dialing in these numbers, man. You see early in the season, it's a little bit easier to kind of find some value on either side, right? Vegas hasn't quite figured out these teams. We haven't quite figured out these teams yet. But as the season progresses – these numbers start to get kind of right there on the number, right? Like we had a push last week, and I could see a few more pushes this week. I think this is right around that eight-point number. I'm not super confident. I do think Utah is able to score some points. I think they're able to play just enough defense to limit Washington a little bit. I'm right there on that eight number, like, 34 to 26 you know that's what it kind of feels like in this game just because Washington is at home I'm going to take them but I'm not super confident in this one either I would not be surprised if Utah is able to keep this a little bit closer but um you know and again Washington since that Oregon game not super impressive like last week against the USC team that is reeling reeling they gave up 42 points and it was you know a a back and forth game for the entirety before Washington pulled away there late I don't know I'm gonna take the Huskies here but uh again confidence level on this one is is not very high I could see I could see Utah keeping it within a touchdown I I really could but um we're gonna be on the same side for this one as well and then finally again in the Pac-12 got another great showdown here We touched on these two teams already. 
USC is going to go on the road to Eugene and face off against the number six ranked Oregon Ducks. Oregon's only loss so far to Washington. Did you see this line? 15 and a half. Oregon favored Huge. by 15. You got to take them to win by 16 points if you're going to ride with the Ducks here. Now, sure, this USC defense is hot garbage, big fella. Just shit through a tin horn, man. Cannot stop anybody. So much so that they fired their defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, midseason and replaced him with a couple of other staffers that were already there. But is that enough to kind of – you know, get get some more stops than what they have been getting. I don't know, man. What do we think? Ducks and Trojans, Saturday night, ten thirty, late kickoff. If you're gonna stay up, uh, should be should be a decent game in the Pac-12 and Pac-12 after dark. You never know. Did you see after USC's last game last week in the loss? Caleb Williams is in the stands, bawling, crying. Oh man, that's tough. Definitely not getting a uh, partial ownership of an NFL team that drafts him at this point in the season. Uh, <laughs> this one's tough uh, for me, man, because it's a huge spread, and I I like to stay away from huge spreads, right? Because it's it's a tricky one, man. Um, the thing is, is yes, USC can score points against terrible defenses, and. But Oregon is a really good defense, man. And they have a potential of stopping USC and holding them to 20-ish points. And like you said, USC's defense is freaking hot garbage. It's absolute hot dog water, man. And Bo Nix at home is, I mean, you don't you don't get much better play than Bo Nix at home from a quarterback. So on one hand, I do see this being like an Oregon blowout. But when you look at who USC has played, they don't really get blown out by anybody. They only lose by 10 to Washington, by one, or they win by one against Cal. You know, they. That Notre Dame game by, is kind of the outlier. Right, 28 points. And I have it written down on my paper. At first, I had circled USC and I scribbled it out and I circled Oregon. Uh, as we were going over these picks, I kind of just talked myself into it. I look at Oregon like a better Notre Dame team. Yeah. I think that their their defense is better than Notre Dame's, and I think that their offense is better, especially at home with a Heisman candidate in Bo Nix. It's a big spread, and it's really tough to take the uh, the favorite and a huge spread like this, but I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say Ducks. i think that this is like a really big statement win that maybe even propels them over a Washington. Yeah, I think we're going to be on the same page here as well. Now, the only thing that makes me nervous, you touched, it's a big spread. USC is not out of this Pac-12 race. If they beat Oregon, don't look now, but the Trojans are in second place right behind Washington in the Pac-12. You know, they've got two conference losses, that third loss obviously coming out of conference to Notre Dame, and that would put Oregon at two, USC <laughs> having the head-to-head tie. I mean, how did we get to the point where we have been hyping up Oregon so much and shit-talking USC so much, but if this game goes the right way for the Trojans, they're all of a sudden in second place in the pack. What has happened? What has happened here? I Make it make sense. But, um, 
Yeah, I, the Pac-12 is listening, and they can hear us. And yeah. football is truly scripted. Right. Don't let this happen. This is the worst thing that you could have happen for the Pac-12 is to not put Oregon in that championship and have a rematch with Washington. Yeah, I agree. I think the Ducks are just way too much on offense, especially at home. I think Bo Nix really been – the entire offense has been taking care of the ball really well this year. I think they have two or three turnovers so far through nine games. I mean, really just not turning the ball over. And I think that's what it would take for USC to cover this. Not even going to talk about the potential of them winning this game. I don't even want to – don't even want to go there. But, uh, yeah, I think, the like you said – the Oregon defense is better than Notre Dame's. The Oregon offense is much better than Notre Dame's, and we saw what the result of that game was. Even with a new defensive coordinator and still somehow something to play for in the Pac-12, I think this USC team might as well just go ahead and pack it up and call it a year because I see 8-4 and four more than likely as a scenario for this USC Trojan team. I got Oregon covering that 15-and-a-half. Could get ugly. Could get ugly in Eugene on Saturday night. But, hey, like I said, Pac-12 after dark, you never know, right? So um, that's why we always tune in. If it was just, you know, who's going to win on paper, then there's no point in playing these games. So uh, we will we will be watching 1030 come Saturday night um, with uh, maybe a stiff drink in hand. But should be a great slate of college football. Quickly to recap, both going to take Michigan to win that game against Penn State by more than four. We got Miami keeping it close against Florida State within that 14, but Florida State winning. On opposite sides for Tennessee and Missouri, you like Missouri to cover three. You took them to win straight up, I assume. I'm going to take Tennessee to cover three. Big win there for the Vols. We're both going to take Washington minus eight. Like them to win big there against Utah. And then opposite sides for our dogs here. I like Georgia to flex a little bit, cover 10 and a half. You like Ole Miss to keep it closer, but a big dogs win. And then finally, Pac-12 after dark, we're both going to take Oregon Ducks minus 15 and a half. Any final thoughts, anything else you want to remind the folks of or, or leave them with before we get off? If you've listened this far on the podcast, it means that you like it. Mm-hmm. You, you, it, at least you don't hate it. You might disagree with some of the things we have to say, but you like the podcast. So go ahead and give it a like. Give it a follow. It helps us out tremendously. It helps us get out to more people um, so that they can uh, hear what we have to say. And we really appreciate it. Absolutely. For my brother, Tyler, I am AJ. And this was another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. We'll be back soon with more college football action. See you then.